Welcome back to the Draft Nut Podcast. It's Jared Feinberg and Devin Jackson of Blue Chip Scouting, and we are your hosts on this beautiful Wednesday. Devin, good morning. Good morning, man. Um, how you doing? Um, been working on homework um, last, well, right before the podcast. Um, also watched a little bit of um, a very well-known draft prospect um, that should be on the top of everyone's preseason uh, big board um, and will probably be on everyone's uh, will probably be at the top of everyone's big board come draft night um, next year. So we got some stuff. We got some prospects to talk about today, Devin. Um, I finished up a certain quarterback prospect yesterday or or this morning. Um, but first I want to mention, um, one of the biggest misses of the 2019 NFL draft, Nikhil Harry, wide receiver with the New England Patriots. He officially put in his, or his agent, or per his agent, um, he is officially on the trade market or they requested a trade. Um, I would just like to say that, um, I would, take Nikhil Harry for seventh round pick and a bag of nacho cheese Doritos. Yeah. I mean, he's been, he's been incredibly disappointing. Um, but I don't know, man, this is one of those players that, you know, a lot of people really liked and, you know, he has, he has some really good tape, really good contested catches, um, you know, all those things. But it's like, I think we've gotten to a point now where we understand receivers will probably be good and probably won't just based on if they're able to create separation. So I think, you know, that his inability to create natural separation, I think was a little bit overlooked in the process, Uh, not by everybody. Some people did think he was being overhyped, but I think largely the ability to really effectively run routes. I think a lot of people just assume that he would get better once he got to the NFL his speed looked good in college, but he just isn't, he doesn't have that typical speed you look for as an outside receiver. And you combine him, you know, being pretty average in speed, the speed department plus inability to be technically sound as a route runner. Uh, you, you get what you got now with him. So it was a tough miss, but you know, I think it was a learning, definitely a learning process for, for a lot of people on draft Twitter because if you can't create separation, you're just not going to last in the league. Like you can have all the height, you know, the ability to change your body angles in the air, all those things. But if you can't create separation uh, consistently, you're you're not going to make a long career in the NFL. Never really on tape. Like I liked the Nikhil Harry. I think I had a first round grade on, if I remember correctly. Um, but. Harry was never a natural separator. Um, that was never apparent on tape. He was, he had good ball skills. He had great contested catch ability, but that can only take you so far. Um, and we're seeing, and we've seen in New England, he's become a liability. Um, he, you know, there are, there have been a couple flashes here and there, but like you said, if you can't consistently separate against defensive backs in the NFL today, 
you're you're going to struggle in the NFL. Um, and I think right now a lot of the top receivers in the league, like and the top twenty receivers in the league, um, from my perspective, um, are all good or great or elite route route runners and know how to separate against defensive backs in the NFL. Um, I had, I think a year or so ago, I, um, I had a conversation with, um, the footwork king, um, via, um, via call. And, you know, we, we discussed, you know, um, some of the guys he really liked. Um, and he, he mentioned about in today's league or in today's football, if you aren't a good separator in coverage, if you're not quick and you don't have that natural separation ability, you're not going to really last that long in the NFL. You're not, unless you have the ability to improve as a route runner, if the ability is there to be a good route runner, then you have a chance at succeeding in the NFL. But sadly, that that wasn't the case for Nikhil Harry because he, he – I wouldn't say he looked lethargic. He just looked odd trying to separate against coverage. Like he, he, he didn't – it wasn't natural for him. He wanted to try to make plays um, after the catch, wanted to make plays um, in the air and contested catch situations, you know. Like that, that's most of where his highlights came from. But on tape, that was like some of the only good things that came from him coming out of Arizona State. Um, and quite, to be quite frank, I think Brandon Ayuk was probably a better prospect than Nikhil Harry looking back at it now. Yeah. Um, and now Brandon Ayuk is one of the top weapons for San Francisco's offense. So, you know, if you don't have that elite playmaking ability like um, Ayuk has and isn't as natural of a separator as Ayuk is, you know, you're not going to last very long. And that's what's happening with Nikhil Harry. I, I do wish Nikhil Harry the best luck. I really hope he can find a path towards hopefully a solid career in the NFL. But if the last two years have been any indication, number one, he is probably going to be a depth receiver from here on out, bouncing around from team to team. And number two, Bill Belichick continues to suck at drafting players. He can sign some incredible unknown players, and they can become great, great football players for the Patriots. But he sucks at drafting. Sucks. Like, it, for as great of a coach that he is, I don't remember. The, the last player I remember him hitting on was Chandler Jones. And Jones has put on a historic future Hall of Fame career. So, you know, I'm not going to trust Bill Belichick to make the right pick 
for drafts to come as long as he continues to be the head coach of the New England Patriots. Now, I, I, I mean, there's no doubt he's the greatest coach of all time. But, you know, it, I think one of his main flaws has been drafting prospects, drafting players that can really be a good, impactful player for this team. Now, he has hit on some late-round players, but uh, like Brent, Mike, um, Michael Iwanu from last year, um, who is going to be an incredible football player for the Patriots for years to come. He is going to be a stud. Um, I have no doubts about that. Uh, you know, it, and he did make some pretty solid selections in this past draft. Um, but it's really going to depend on if they can really develop into the player that Bill Belichick sees, and maybe Bill Belichick will be like, oh, I actually hit well on these players in the 2021 draft, but that's re- that remains to be seen. We won't really know until a few years down the road, so just wanted to get that out of the way. Now we should talk some, some, we should talk some about the draft prospects we have watched over the last few days. Um, a couple of the prospects I've watched over the last 24 hours or so, um, Malik Willis and Kyle Hamilton, Kyle Hamilton, who I'm about to finish my evaluation on once we finish this recording. Um, Devin, I want to start with you. You recently watched Josh DeBerry from Boston College. Um, yeah. Did a piece on him, excellent piece. If, if you guys have not read his article yet, I would recommend doing so. Excellent work, Devin. Um, and if you if you want to, go. you can go a little bit more in depth here about DeBerry, what he brings to the table, what he really needs to improve on coming into the 2021 season. And if he's able to improve in some of these areas, could he be a much higher draft pick than he is projected to be right now? Yeah, so uh, he was a player that I really came across uh, only because of, uh, like I said, I gave a shout-out to Eric Crocker, but he was talking about technique, uh, DB technique, and one of the the kind of <clears throat> things he was teaching about was the kind of the uh, the lateral, um, trying to think of the, the exact name, but it was like a lateral, I think, uh, step or something along those lines, but essentially – the defensive back mat- matching the stem on routes, uh, you know, of a receiver. So if they like take a couple steps inside, you know, take a couple steps inside to kind of match that leverage. Uh, so for Barry, he uses that a lot, quite a bit in, in this game. And what really stood out to me was his ability to ma- mirror the routes that Deami Brown was running. And I know Deami Brown isn't exactly the most technically sound or refined receiver. Obviously, he has some work need to be done. But in terms of being able to stay with him stride for stride, you know, speed-wise, uh, DeBerry was able to do so uh, with fluidity. Uh, he was getting out in and out of his brakes quickly. Uh, the passes that he did allow, uh, it was a lot of, like, deep outs and quick outs and quick hitches. There weren't a, weren't a lot of downfield passes that was completed on him. I don't think any that I watched personally, uh, he had any downfield passes caught on him, like in, in terms of like vertical routes, posts, corners, all of that. <clears throat> there was like a few deep in routes, maybe in deep outs. But uh, in terms of that, he was able to stay on top of <clears throat> the receiver, uh, especially going vertically, uh, being able to stay in the hip pocket, play through the hands of the receiver. Um, and 
what really just continued to st- stay out, uh, stand out to me was how well he went up against some of the best ACC receivers last year. Uh, he held his own against De'Ami Brown, Amari Rogers. He followed him in the slot and outside, so he has that inside-out uh, versatility. Uh, he did a pretty good job of guarding him. Had a little bit of Cornell Powell as well, uh, and he was able to, to stay in front of him and keep him corralled as well. Um, and then Tutu Atwell, uh, someone that's extremely shifty uh, for Louisville last year, and uh, you know that the Rams selected him in the second round, uh, which was a little high for him, but you know, gets those three day two receivers uh, that all win the second or third rounds of the NFL draft this past year. Uh, I mean, that's pretty impressive to to have that resume. So that's what stood out to me. And I talked a little bit about that in the article um, and just putting him on the island. You know, he, he played a lot of one on one coverage, didn't really have a lot of safety help most of the time. Uh, and, and it was just an intriguing watch because he wasn't someone that. I was even expecting to watch in this draft process. So uh, being able to find him, identify him and, and say, you know, he could be a, a very much a riser in this, this cornerback class. Uh, I, I really think he could be, especially in, in within the conference. I know that obviously you've got uh, Andrew Booth, um, you know, and then other names as well within the conference that are extremely talented. But uh, DeBerry, he, he was able to get all um, – ACC honorable mention uh, with a stacked, you know, DB uh, you know, kind of class and whatnot in the ACC. So I, I think he, he's really in for a big year. And I think he, he this could be his breakout season where, you know, he emerges. Uh, and, you know, th- this isn't really a, a comp necessarily play style wise, but it kind of reminds me of Greg Noose in the way he plays. Like he, he a lot of mirroring, a lot of uh, you know, playing, uh, not necessarily, uh, you know, jamming at the line of scrimmage, but still, you know, playing a lot of man defense, you know, and, and be able to, to match some of the receivers movements. So I think it could be that, you know, if he really hits his potential, uh, improves on, uh, he has some issues with, with zone coverage, but I also think that stems from the fact that he plays outside and inside corner. Uh, so those responsibilities kind of, you know, differentiate depending on the, the coverage scheme. So I think sometimes he, uh, um, I won't say get confused, but I think sometimes those kind of overlap and, and sometimes he'll go too far out or in the slot. So he'll like go way past the receiver than he needs to, you know, operating in zone coverage in the slot. And then in man, I think sometimes he, uh, you know, doesn't get enough depth in his, his zone drop. So, I think he can improve in that area because he, he's really a really good man corner. I think zone is what he'll need to improve and then tackling, obviously. Uh, he doesn't need to, and I said this in an article, he doesn't need to be a huge run stopper, but he, he definitely needs to improve. So I think he's probably hovering around that late third, early fourth round area in terms of his draftable grade right now, um, just based on some things he needs to improve on. Uh, his size, uh, you know, in terms of weight wise, I think he could, could put on some more pounds that way. Um, not sure about his arm measurements, hand, you know, hand measurements, all that either. Don't have any verified numbers, but I, I think, you know, putting on some weight, you know, working on his tackling zone coverage, I think he could, could really be a good corner, uh, in the ACC and in, in all of the country too. Um, I, I think Josh DeBerry is definitely going to be a player that both of us will keep an eye on um, in the ACC um, this season, um, as well as our 
um, ACC scout for our blue chip scouting scouting department, Russell uh, Janikowski. Um, he, um, I'm not sure if he has done an evaluation on Josh Berry, um, but I assume probably after you watched your article, I would assume Russell would probably start diving into his tape. Um, I want to touch on a, a, a player I watched yesterday or last night, finished up this morning. Uh, Malik Willis, quarterback out of Liberty. Um, he's, he's been touted by some as like the future, like he could be the potential guy that could come out of nowhere and rise up and become the best quarterback of this draft class. But to be honest with you, I think he's getting just as much hype as everyone else in this quarterback class with with names such as Spencer Radler, Sam Howell, Matt Corral, um, just off the top of my head, uh, Keaton Slovis. So Malik Willis, when I was watching his tape, I think his, his mobility really stood out to me firsthand. Great vision, good decision-making at the mesh point. Um, he displays good speed and bursts as a runner. Um, his out-of-structure ability is pretty pretty damn good. Uh, he, he does not hesitate. Um, to improvise on plays when they break down. And um, if he is not – if the pocket starts collapsing around him and he sees maybe a sliver of open space in front of him, he's going to take advantage and just bolt towards it. Um, he he is definitely going to be one of the more dangerous college football players um, this upcoming season, especially with Liberty, as they continue their path to try and make a New Year's Six Bowl as an independent. Um, you know, it, something that also really kept, that really blew my mind was his arm talent. Um, incredible arm strength. Um, like, against Syracuse, when I, that was the first game I watched. He threw one of the more prettier balls, one of the prettier back shoulder throws from the far hash to from the left hash to the other to the right hash downfield. It was probably I think it was a fifty yard throw, but it was more of a sixty yard throw of some sort. I, I'm not really I don't have the best recollect, recollection of it. But his arm talent just it pops on tape. Effortless deep balls, great velocity and zip on his throws. You know, it's the arm talent is there. He has great accuracy, intermediate and deep. Um, he has a really good sense of the defense around him. Understands when rushers are coming from all sides, including his uh, blind side. Uh, he displays great uh, ball placement and touch on those intermediate and deep throws. Um, and like I mentioned before, he just displayed some great, um, ball placement on back shoulder throws like the Syracuse throw, for example. Um, his upper and lower body mechanics were much more impressive than I was expecting. I was coming into this thinking he was a little bit more raw in that area from, a, from an, from more of a lower body standpoint because I heard some concerns about accuracy and I was like, Maybe that may have to do with, you know, his lower body mechanics. But when he, when the accuracy struggles occurred, especially in um, the short areas, 
Um, there were there wasn't really much of a concern in that area. It was more just the accuracy part. What like just trying to get that ball placed in the right spot on those short throws. He, he for some odd reason he struggled with those short throws, especially on the quick outs. Um, those seemed to be tougher passes for him. And I think it was because he was a tad bit late on those throws almost every time. So I think one thing he needs to do is quick, quicken his tempo and really try to get the ball out faster. Um, he has great size. I have no concerns there. Um, and back to the upper body mechanics, um, a good release. And he also displays the ability to throw off different arm angles. Um, his base and feet are always consistent. And, and even when they're, even when he's on the move, um, He'll go on the move, reset his base, and make an accurate throw downfield. Um, it, it was really pretty to watch. Um, there are times, though, where his decision-making is was called into question, in my opinion. Um, there, were, there were times where he missed some open reads in his progressions when, he, when um, Hugh Freeze installed some um, progression-based concepts in his offense and he has and look I, I do think Willis has the ability to go through his progressions. He's shown the ability to do that. It's just making the right reads and not trying to play hero ball. Um he, there was one play against Syracuse that I wrote down where there was an open dig route. There was a dig route that got open that like there was a wide open gap um in coverage against cover two. And he just flat out missed it. I think he just got a little spooked in the pocket because that offensive line isn't that great. And I, I do have a friend that does play for Liberty and I, and that's just with all due respect. Um, you know, I, I don't mean any hard feelings towards Liberty's offensive line. You know, they could improve. They could be better. <laughs> that's all I'm saying. But. There were times he got spooked in the pocket and he just flat out missed a read. It showed up a couple times against uh, Virginia Tech. It showed up a couple times against um, NC State. Um, in the games where Liberty was playing good uh, or pretty solid Power Five programs, um, so that those were some of the areas I was concerned with. Um, it, he. I think with the short accuracy stuff, and Andrew Harbaugh mentioned this when I was reading his report on Malik Willis. Um, he is the uh, blue chip scouting department's uh, Pac-12 and independent scout. Um, his brain tends to move a mile a minute, and um, that's what Andrew had said. And I think that's a perfect way of explaining like why I think um, Willis you know, struggles in that short accuracy area. It's because, like, he's thinking so much and he's not getting the ball out quicker. And, you know, his brain is, like, moving so fast. Like, he just doesn't have time to really just just do it and throw it. He sometimes overthinks it and just tries to place it where he can try to place it and it just doesn't work out. Um, so he needs to learn how to slow down, needs to learn to take what's in front of him, but – Overall, I loved his game. I loved his game. Despite all the concerns I listed, 
his game is awesome. Um, he had the, he got the same summer grade um, that I gave Spencer Rattler, eighty six point five, which is a late first round grade. Um, he is currently tied for my QB one, and I actually prefer Willis over Rattler. To and I think a lot of it is because of his mobility and that he can really do some fun stuff out of structure and on the ground. So that that's and and allows him to be more versatile when it comes to playing in an NFL offense. Um and allows him to really fit in a run based oriented offense um in the NFL. So I think that's why I'm I'm I lean a little bit towards Willis coming into the season. Now could he, he there are definitely areas he can improve in and even if he improves in just a couple areas, I think he's still going to grade out really well for me um for the spring process um for my final um uh, evaluation next next spring. Um I expect Willis to still have a first round grade. Um an incredible talent so raw in a couple areas, but if he improves in quite a few of those areas, I think he can really help this QB class out a lot. Um, have you, Devin, have you really watched any of Willis? Have, do you have any thoughts on him right now? Yeah, so I, I did, I watched him back in, uh, like November-ish and did a, did an article on him and, uh, Hugh Freeze kind of mm-hmm. being able to rejuvenate Liberty. Um, and, and then, you know, some of the, even then I saw some of the same things you see in this game and, uh, it, it comes more about to, uh, for him consistency within the pocket. Cause we know he can create out of structure. He can throw on the run. He can make all the throws all over the field. Um, you know, can throw from multiple arm slots and arm angles. You know, uh, the, the talent is undeniable when you watch him. Uh, he, he can, the ball really jumps off his hands. Those with a lot of velocity, whatnot. Uh, but, you know, there are some things footwork wise I think he can clean up in, in terms of uh, being able to, you know, I, I feel like there's times where, you know, he does everything right but his feet uh, in terms of get, completing the pass. Like he'll have his feet turned slightly the wrong way. Uh, you know, he's throwing off his back foot. I think there was one play I watched against Virginia Tech where he could have had a touchdown, but basically instead of like, you know, dropping back and taking a couple hitches and then going for the pass, he just did five straight five step drop, just threw off his back foot, which caused some inaccuracy. Uh, so I think I, I, I don't know if it's more of scheme wise or whatnot, but there are times where he just throws off his back foot and, you know, luckily for him, he has the arm talent and arm strength to get, the ball out, even when he doesn't even put his full, you know, lower half into his passes. But, you know, I think there are times where he just throws with straight arm, you know, and his, his arm, his legs aren't aligned properly or, or, you know, able to drive the ball fully. And he gets away with that at the college level. As we know, the NFL, you, you can't do that often and get away with it, you know, so. I'd like to see him work more in the pocket in terms of uh, beating people from the pocket and then just being consistent, you know, in his ball placement. There are times where he throws too high, too low, a little bit behind. And even outside of structure, you know, most of the time he can he can get the ball to where it needs to go. But 
It's just about, you know, being able to get those feet set at some point, you know, and I think since he's like uber talented, he can throw, you know, kind of off his platform and, and throw off a one foot and whatnot. But, you know, sometimes you, you got to be able to, to reset those feet even outside of the pocket and, and get the ball where it needs to go. So I think it's more about honing in more in the, the technical side of being a quarterback. But the, the talent is is very, very prominent. And, you know, I blame no one for having QB, him QB1. You know, he, he caught my eye back. I want to say it was the Southern Miss game, I think, when he threw like a 50-yard dart. It was just a straight line drive you know, like straight to the receiver and, you know, everything else kind of fell in that in the Virginia tech play uh, a couple of weeks later where, he's, you know, the one that everyone has posted or, or we've seen a lot, you know, rolling to his right and throw, throws a 50 yard pass completely on the sideline. So talent is there. I think his running ability isn't talked about enough. Uh, I know a lot of people say he's a dynamic athlete, but I mean, the, the man and he, he creates a lot of explosive runs, a lot of explosive runs. So I think his running ability needs to be talked about more because he he could be in that Lamar Jackson conversation in terms of dynamic ability in the open field. You know, uh, I'm not trying to say they're the same player or, or whatnot, but I think they're going to be in the same uh, discussion in terms of running ability whenever he enters the NFL. So with. What what always gets me is that, and I'll, first off, before, before I want to talk about it, um, I want to give a shout out to Marcus Harvey of Around the Block. He has been on the Malik Willis train since, on the QB one train at least um, since well before the summer scouting processing began, like in the middle of the 2021 draft process. He was on the Malik Willis train from the beginning. Um, give a shout out to him. Um, he, he's got good. I, he, very, very talented, um, kid in terms of what he sees on tape. Um, if you, if you have the chance to go follow him at Mark, let me check his, um, Twitter account real quick before I get it wrong. It's at Marcus Harvey underscore. Make sure you guys go follow him. Um, shout out to him. He is at around the block network. Great, um, great kid. Knows his stuff. Um, big Buckeyes and Browns fan. Make sure you give him a follow. Um, I want it, – it always gets me every time whenever I hear Auburn screwed up with Malik Willis. If Willis stayed at Auburn and they decided, you know, Nick's, Bo Nix isn't it, let's go with Malik Willis. I think Auburn has – the last couple of seasons, maybe the last two seasons at least, maybe just last season in general, if Willis was able to stay at Auburn, I think Auburn's season is completely different. Because Auburn, I think, runs or then had run some similar stuff to what uh, Liberty kind of does, um, what Hugh Freeze's offense kind of does. But speaking of Bo Nix and Auburn, I want to talk about Bo Nix because he's been very he's been heavily criticized throughout his career so far um, at Auburn, um, and the both of us are on the same page where we we know he has the physical tools 
in place. Like he has, he has shown some incredible, he has made some incredible plays, um, because of his arm talent, um, and his good release. Um, he makes some incredible throws against Alabama two years ago. Um, especially one on the sideline where he's moving to his left and he just kind of moving on the move and just kind of chucked it, um, towards the sideline. I was like, Oh, this is going to be incomplete. And he placed it perfectly into the receiver's hands where he was able to keep his feet in bounds and make the catch for the completion. I was like, wow, Nix has tools. He has got great tools. And like I mentioned with Matt Corral, it's the mental stuff that always gets him. He's thinking too much. The, the footwork isn't. The technical side, the mental side too, is not there yet. So, and you told me beforehand, you, you texted me, or I was texting you, like what prospects you had watched recently. You mentioned Bo Nix, and we were talking about Bo Nix in the group chat. Um, Corey Keenan of um, with the first pick, he was talking about Bo Nix as a potential out of nowhere surpriser um, for the NFL drafts, a guy that could come out of nowhere and be a top draft pick or at least a first round draft pick. So let's talk about Bo Nix, what he brings to the table. And I, I think we, I think we have a good idea of his mental mistakes and the technical side that he needs to work on. But tell me about the good stuff. What does Bo Nix bring to the table that should keep us intrigued going into the season? Well, first thing that pops off the film is his athleticism. He, the thing with him is that, I, I and I know people are like listening to this, like I can't believe they're they're hyping up Bo Nix right now or, or talking about Bo Nix, but I just didn't get that sense that he is a lost cause, right? He is going to be a rising junior. Like I don't think people understand that, right? Yeah. It's not that he's not a senior. It's not like he's a fifth year, six year senior that hasn't put it together. He's a former five star. Uh, you know, he broke a lot of the Alabama State high school records. I've been doing some background on him. It's been hyped since he got on campus. I mean, he had enormous shoes to fill. You know, coming into the college football, you had to. You got. Named the starter before week one of his freshman season. And I feel like we've seen so many freshmen and sophomore quarterbacks do great things and be great that we've kind of expected him to do the same. And, you know, his freshman season, it was, it was all right. It wasn't anything that blew you away. You shouldn't have won SEC freshman of the year. We know that. And a lot of people were already mad about that, that he won that, even though it wasn't even his fault that he won. You know, it's not like he voted for himself or anything. Then obviously last year was a was a train wreck. But for me, it's the athleticism. It's the way he throws off platform, the the multiple arm slots. I mean, he's flinging the ball outside arm. Uh, He's very creative within and outside the pocket. I mean, we talk about a lot of things we look for in a player. He matches a lot of the boxes. He he checks a lot of the boxes off. You know, mobile can make plays outside of structure. Art be creative. Yeah. Uh he's tough as hell. I mean, he got rocked so many times over the last two years. And be and it's mostly because of his offensive line. They've been 
pretty pretty bad to say the least over the last two years. I know they have some guys there that that you know I, I like like the right tackle bro Darius Ham and and whatnot, but in terms of protection, he had little protection a lot of the time. I mean, there were plays he dropped back, and there was three, four rushes in his face already, so he had to escape. And I feel like because he didn't have any confidence in his offensive line, there were a lot of times where he just bailed the pocket quickly. Um, but in terms of the good, like I said, he, he can make all the throws on the field. That's not Arm strength is not an issue with him. You know, arm talent is not an issue. Uh, what's the issue is, number one, he was not in the right scheme. He's not Nick Marshall. He's not Cam Newton. Uh, he's not any of those running quarterbacks that they've had before that are extremely dynamic and, and very, very fast and get to the edge quickly. So, number one, that offensive system was not it for him. Uh, and it required him. He had a lot of responsibility. He had to call the the protection out. He had to identify blitzes. He had to change the play sometimes. And then his receivers weren't getting constant separation. You know, outside of Anthony Schwartz, maybe. Seth Williams was more of a jump ball guy. He really didn't create a lot of separation. And everyone else, yeah, and everyone else was dropping passes. I mean, there were times where he did everything right. Like, he got outside of the pocket. He extended the play. He he threw it downfield and and dropped. So, yeah, yeah, it was was a frustrating watch because of what's around him. Because you see, you identify his talent. And I know a lot of people are like, I don't know. I'm not really in on him. You know, he's about to be a third-year starter. But a lot of players make that jump in year two and year three of starting. You know, everyone's not linear. And, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to compare. And, and this is not a comp at all. But, I mean, I give an example. I mean, look at Joe. I know a lot of people would say this. But look at Joe Burrow and look how yeah. he – was able to do a lot of the things that I see kind of in Bo Nix, but everything needed to come together. You gotta have a good system. And think of think about this. Now this is gonna be this is gonna be a stretch. Um after I do this is I'll toss it over to you. But I'm working on a piece right now that should release on Friday about Bo Nix. But think about what happened with Joe Burrow. New scheme. All the players, a lot of those players returned that he played with the year previous. Same with Bo Nix. Bo Nix is in a different scheme now. Uh, he's more of in a kind of more type of pro system type style with Brian Harson because they run multiple alignments. I've been studying kind of his offense. Returning, a lot of returning offensive linemen. Good bit of returning weapons. Obviously, they lost Schwartz and, and Seth Williams, but a lot of those other guys are coming back. So the running game is going to improve tremendously. They got a really good running back and Tank Biz, Big. I think it's Bixby. I think that's his name. Mm-hmm. So there, there are a lot of elements that I kind of see some similarities. I'm not going to say he's going to have a Burrow type rise, but I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that he greatly improves this year. And there's a reason he's on NFL radars. I mean, as much as we may not like him, you know. And uh, other players that obviously come to mind that have sh- struggled being a passer in college, like Sam Ellinger, Ian Book, etc. He still has the ability to, like I said, create out of structure. Uh, and, and if he improves, you know, and, and I'm going to mention this in the article, but you got to improve his deep ball accuracy. Got to keep his footwork more consistent uh, and, and just got to make better decisions. I think those three things he improves at least two of those things. I mean, he's already a lot better than he was in the previous two years. So 
He's a he's an interesting study. I, I'm, I have a lot of fun studying him because I I, know, I can see the potential. I see the flashes, and to me, if you're gonna like Desmond Ritter, you know, if you're gonna like you know Dorian Thompson Robinson, if you're gonna like all these different guys, but say Bo Nix isn't good, I mean, it's it's kind of I won't say hypocritical, but I think it's yeah. kind of counterproductive to to argue that because they're not finished products, and neither is Bo Nix. So there, that's, that's it, my spell on Nix. There's and we we've mentioned it plenty of times in past recordings, and I've mentioned it plenty of times on Twitter. This quarterback class has potential. It has incredible potential, in my opinion. Like if a lot of do these dudes improve in a few areas, this could be one of the deepest draft classes we have seen in a very long time. Maybe. I, a little stretch, but maybe ever, maybe since the L.A. draft, I don't know. Like, this is a very deep group of potentially, of, of potential at the quarterback position. It, we're going to have to, we're going to be keeping an eye on a lot of guys this upcoming season at the quarterback position. There will be plenty of guys that will probably end up staying another year. Um, and you know that that's and we also have to remember there are also plenty of guys we're evaluating right now from every position that could end up staying under the year. So that's something to keep an eye on. Um and some and you know, and it could help out with some players that if they do improve but they still want to improve a little bit more, they can stay another year, improve with maybe a better group of receivers or more experience um, around them. You know, it, there are plenty of factors that um, could play into a, a prospect's decision to stay another year at um, at their respective school. Um, but, you know, when we were talking about Bo Nix, I, I, I personally like Bo Nix. I'm rooting for him. I hope he can turn things around this year in a new scheme. Um and in a scheme that will probably fit better for him. Um, but of course I still have a lot of those concerns that everyone else has and like you have as well. But the talent, the physical talent is there. Not out of the question. Speaking of physical talent, I want to talk about one of the player, one of the best players, if not the best player in the 2022 NFL draft coming into the season, Kyle Hamilton. Kyle Hamilton, safety out of Notre Dame. Holy crap, dude. Watching his tape earlier this morning, if if you're listening to this tomorrow, it, it's Wednesday morning. So I was watching it. I was watching his tape earlier this morning. First thing that stood out, his size and his athleticism. He is incredibly fluid for someone his size. He moves very, very well. Um, he's six four two twenty. He looks like a linebacker playing the safety position. He's just a freak, man. He his range is elite. Incredible speed that allows him to really roam all over the field. Um, he has made some great plays coming from the opposite side of the field, whether that's the right or the left hash, and he's making a play. Um, on the other side of the field, his middle of the field range is just incredible. It's superb. It's pretty superb. 
Um, he, he played in a lot of roles for Notre Dame. He was playing nickel with the box. He was playing two, um, two high split. He was playing single. Um, very fluid athlete, uh, smooth and quick in his back pedals. Um, he flashed, he has flashed the ability because of his athleticism. He has that ability, um, to play well in man coverage against tight ends. He has flashed the ability to play in man coverage, but the technique really isn't there yet. Um, I think that's something he'll really need to improve on this um, upcoming season. Um, but he, he has an incredible closing ability coming downhill. I mean, his closing speed is just utterly ridiculous for his size. Um, he does flash ball skills. He, he's very competitive at the catch point, and he is quite explosive coming to the football. Um, he, he has elite instincts, elite football IQ. He's always in the right place at the right time. Um, his zone cover skills are great because of those instincts and great football IQ. He's always, and like I said, he's always in position to make plays on the back end, um, coming downhill and whatnot. Um, he is also a very physical, but very sound tackler in the run game. Um, and he displays good technique as a tackler. Um, I have very little concerns about Kyle Hamilton, except for technique and man coverage. Um, he, he, a couple times on tape so far that I've seen, he, he has been on play action a little bit. Um, but I think his athleticism allows him to recover very, very well and he can still make plays even if he bites on those play actions hard. Um, it'll be more like effort. Coming from the, coming back after getting, after biting on those actions, coming back and making a play on the, on the ball carrier. Um, he made some terrific plays against Clemson. Um, that, that really stood out to me, especially when I was watching the Clemson game live with my neighbor across the street, who's also a Clemson fan. And we saw that play and we were both like, this kid for Notre Dame is good. And, it's quite evident he is definitely the best player on the field every time he steps onto it. Um, he doesn't have elite short area quickness. It's good, but not elite. Um, and I think that can lead to like quicker, shiftier receivers and maybe even in quicker and shiftier tight ends to hurt him underneath, um, especially in the slot. Um, and, you know, it, those, those are really all my concerns I have. Um, biting on play action at times, not having elite short area quickness, but it's nothing really to be concerned about. Um, but man, he, he has got unreal potential to be one of the best safeties in the NFL. He is arguably the best safety in college football, in my opinion. Um, granted, I haven't watched Brandon Joseph, Daxton Hill, um, Lewis sign. Um, I haven't watched a lot of the, a lot of the other safeties yet, but I will be getting to them, um, as we get closer and closer to the start of the season. Um, but man, Kyle Hamilton, I went ahead and gave a grade for him. I went ahead and gave it, gave him a grade. Um, he is tied with Kayvon Thibodeau for the highest graded player in this draft class so far. 95. Uh, which is a blue chip, um, talent grade. Um, both players elite, 
Um, Kyle Hamilton, special player. A couple things he could get better at, but even if he decided all of a sudden to opt out of the season, he'd still be a high draft pick. I wouldn't have any doubts about that. Kyle Hamilton is an incredible talent. Um, Andrew Harbaugh, our, um, who we mentioned before, our independent scout and Big 12 scout, when he was um, evaluating Hamilton, um, he did mention that Hamilton does play a little bit of that Jamal Adams role where he just plays everywhere and does everything really well. That's Kyle Hamilton. But I think he could definitely improve with his ball skills, get more ball production, do better with not fighting on play action, stay disciplined in those areas. Um, but overall, this is an elite football player in college football. Like, this is a player you have to be very, very careful when you're game planning against them um, every game moving forward because he improves in just a couple areas. This might be one of the best safeties we've ever seen come through the draft in quite some time. Like, he's that good. Yeah, haven't watched him. Uh, you know, sat down watching, but obviously in passing, you know, he's always making plays on film. So definitely excited to, to get into him and, uh, you know, study him later this summer and, uh, obviously, uh, you know, talk about and see what other people see in him and, you know, and obviously be that top three to four player, uh, in, in this draft class. I think that'll do it for us guys. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you guys on the live stream tomorrow. Peace.